Okay, the first reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hi there. The second reading comes from Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from one who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of the Lord. Can everyone see me and hear me? Excellent. Um, Tonight, uh, as a one-off, a special event, uh, we're going to look at the topic of uh, Christian response to uh, to Islamic extremism. Uh, That's what we'll be looking at tonight. Um, And I feel I need a lot of prayer for that. So please join with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this weighty topic, uh, we're well aware of all the issues, uh, religiously, politically, uh, personally, that it raises. And Lord, especially we're aware of it this weekend. And we bring before you the two families here in Sydney that have lost loved ones in the Parramatta police shootings. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would comfort both these families in their loss. And we ask that you would give our government wisdom and insight in how they handle this very sad situation. Uh, Please bless our time tonight. Help it to be profitable uh, for all of us. And help us to look again on your wonderful gospel, which we are saved. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, extreme acts need to be met with an extreme response. 
the Bible calls us to respond to Islamic extremism by becoming Christian extremists. But the extremism that I'm talking about does not involve bombs or guns or intimidation or fear. The extremism that I'm talking about is far more radical. It's far more effective. The extremism that I'm talking about is foundational to the Christian worldview. This extremism is extreme love. Other worldviews and other religions, uh, they call people to love others. But Jesus Christ is radical. In our reading, we heard he calls us as Christians to love our enemies. This is extreme love. But before we flesh out what this looks like for us as, as Christians, I want us to stand back a little bit as we engage in this topic of Islamic extremism and have a look at Islam. Have a look at the complex tapestry that is Islam. Now, as you can see, uh, I'm not a leading Islamic scholar. Uh, I don't have any degrees or masters or, or in this. I've studied uh, one subject in Islam. So I've had to rely on someone who actually is a leading Islamic scholar. And his name is Dr. John Azuma. Uh, he is a PhD in Islamic Christian relations. Uh, he also was a former Muslim uh, who's a convert to Christianity. Uh, but John still has many in his family uh, who, are, who are Muslims. And uh, I've relied on him for this next, this next point, and it's to help us understand Islam. Now, we know as Christians, Christians, uh, we have uh, many different faces as, as Christianity, don't we? Uh, that there are nominal Christians. Uh, we have Catholic Christians. There's Protestant Christians. There's Pentecostal Christians. And there's a few other crazy Christians on the, the peripheries that we don't really mention. Um, and Islam, it's, it's, it's a bit of the same. Uh, it has many different faces uh, that make up this complex tapestry of about 1.6 billion Muslims around the world. Uh, John Azuma, in his uh, doctrinal work, he, he suggests that there are five faces of Islam. Uh, the first face is the missionary face of Islam. Uh, that's similar to CMS, Church Missionary Society, or, or us as evangelical Christians. They're the missional face of Islam. Uh, the second face is the mystical face of Islam. Uh, this makes up the vast majority of Muslims. Uh, they're a cross between uh, sort of Pentecostals and nominal Christianity, if you can make that cross. Uh, the, the, third, the third face of Islam is the, Islam, uh, is the ideological and political face of Islam. Uh, this face is, is very similar to uh, sort of secular humanism. And what they're trying to do in the Muslim world is push Christianity into the private sphere and reject any other worldview other than their own. Uh, the fourth face of Islam, and this is the one that we hear about most often in the newspapers, uh, is the extremist face of Islam. Now, they're similar to uh, the Westboro Baptists in the US. You guys know those guys who picket and do all that. But also uh, similar to the 16th century Christian crusaders. That's, that's sort of what they're on about. And these extremists, uh, they think that if you can't change the Islamic culture through preaching and teaching, the only way to change it is through the sword and through force. Now, there are many different groups. Uh, there's uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and the Taliban, and many others. And what they do is they quote the Quran. But what, what they're actually doing is they've taken the law into their own hands. Because 
they've rejected parts of the Quran as well. Because the Quran states, it states that a just war can only be declared by a properly constituted Islamic government. Now, none of these terrorist organizations are properly constituted Islamic governments. So, even by their own teachings, they are contradicting them when they disregard them. But the other surprising fact that I, I learned from John Azuma is that in Islam uh, and is Islamic extremists, uh, Christians are not their main target. Now, this sort of surprised me. Christians are not their main target. Uh, their main target are Muslims. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to purify their religion and make it pure. Yes, it's true that they are killing Christians, but many, many, many more Muslims are dying at the hands of these Islamic extremists as they seek to purify their Islam Islamic religion. And then finally, the last face of Islam, the fifth face of Islam, is the progressive face of Islam. A and this is a cross between uh, liberal Christians and the reformers. And what the progressive face of Islam is trying to do is it's trying to genuinely reform Islam from the inside out. And another surprising fact, guess who their heroes are? Anyone? Martin Luther, John Calvin, and Zwingli. The 15th, 16th century Christian Protestant reformers. They're who they're reading to figure out how they reform Islam from the inside out. So let's pray as they're reading them that they become Christians. That would be awesome. So this is Islam. And to properly understand Islam, we need to know that these, these five faces of Islam, John Azuma says, these five faces of Islam, they're not like boxes that you sort of stick people into. They're more like the Olympic rings. They have crossovers and they, they have sections that cross over. Um, and so you can, be a, a, a you can have a missional face of Islam, but you can also be an extremist. They cross over. Or you can be a political Muslim, but you can also be a progressive. And it's the same for all the different five faces. So, so one Muslim may not be just one thing. They may be a mix. Um, then throw into the mix, you've got Sunni Islam, Shiite Islam, Surfism Islam. You've got Islam in Africa is very different from Islam in Asia and very different again from Islam in the Middle East. It's all different. And what we see with Islam is this, this very complex tapestry of, of different beliefs, different ideas, different ideals, and different expectations. So, so for, for us to think that all Islamic people are extremists um, is actually very unhelpful. Uh, what it does is it creates an us versus them mentality. And this, this mentality, it, it breeds sort of fear and hate. As Christians, I want us today, part of this talk is just for us to appreciate the complexity of the Islamic religion. Uh, it would be naive of us to lump all Islamic people into the terrorist extremist basket. And I, I'm sure... None of us do that here. Many of them, they're just like you and me. Uh, they're, they're people who have families, they have feelings, they have fears, and they have dreams. But, but more importantly, uh, they're people made in the image and likeness of God. Just like you and me. They're people. Now, John Azuma, he, he tells, I think, quite a helpful story 
um, to separate this distinction between Islamic people and Islamic extremists. And uh, it happened in his uh, home country of Nigeria. And it, it's about a Christian politician. And what happened, this, this Christian politician, he's sitting in his office behind his desk and bursting through the doors come a whole group of Christians. They're, they're angry and they're upset. And they say to this politician, they say, Muslims have just attacked our church. They've started throwing rocks through the windows and they're starting to burn it down. Send your police and come and help us. And the politician, he stands up from his desk and he says, do you want me to go after Muslims? He says, if you want me to go after Muslims, I I can't. Because in my police force, I have Muslims. I can't send them out and say, go arrest these Muslims. You've tied my hands. He said, you've tied my hands. He said, but if you came through my door and you said that criminals have attacked my church because they're breaking the law, you've freed my hands. I can send my police force after the criminals. And I think this distinction and this story is is helpful for when we come to this topic. Islamic extremists who break the law here in Australia and throughout the world, anyone who breaks the law is is a criminal. And I agree with John Azuma that it's better to refer to them as criminals rather than Islamic extremists. But by doing this, uh, as Christians, we can't be accused of Islamophobia. Rather, we, we are just Australian citizens keen to uphold our democratic and legal rights. So as Christians approaching, approaching this issue, um, I'd like us to keep the words of Martin Luther uh, ringing in our ears. And Luther says this, War against extremists should not be done under the banner of the cross. That's the problem the crusaders made. War against extremists should not be done under the banner of the cross. These wars should be conducted by the state. For this is what the state is for. So how are we? How are we as Christians? How are we called to respond to Islamic extremists? This is my second point, is that we're to respond with extreme love. Now, you probably read in the papers these days that many people are worried uh, about the Islamic extremists radicalizing the Muslim youth. It's probably prevalent at the moment in the papers. However, I have a bigger concern. My, My concern is that Islamic extremists are radicalizing Christians. When we look at the TV, when we see the beheadings, the suicide bombings, and the shootings up of Christian churches, we are so tempted to throw away uh, our Christian values in anger, hate, and fear. And friends, if we, if we do this, if we, if we throw away these values, we, we lose the centerpiece of what it means to be Christian. We lose the centerpiece of our Christian value, which is love. Now, brothers and sisters, let's not make this basic mistake. When we see those things on TV, let's not be consumed by anger, hatred, and fear. But let's think and see how we can love these people. And the Bible, it doesn't teach us to meet violence with violence. But it does call us to be extremists. Now, 
This is where we'll turn to our passage in Luke. If you've shut your Bibles, please, please open it up again. Because uh, these words of Jesus are, are very important for us to grasp, particularly in this day and age. Page 948, um, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And we see what Jesus calls us to do as Christians. He says in, in verse 27 of Luke chapter 6, he says, But I say to you who listen, that's us, that's to Christians, love your enemies. Love is what Christian extremists are to do. No guns, no bombs, no fear, no intimidation, no lies, just extreme love. And thankfully, Jesus goes on to expand in this passage what this extreme love looks like. And I've only picked out uh, three passages that uh, hopefully explain uh, what this extreme love look like, looks like. And the first is in verse uh, 27. So have a look at verse 27 with me. Jesus says, do what is good to those who hate you. Now, I, I think this is best understood uh, by, by hearing just two stories of people who have come in direct contact with Islamic extremists. Um, the first is a story from Bishop Angelos. Now, Bishop Angelos, he's the, the, head, uh, uh, he's the head bishop of the Coptic Catholic Church. And uh, recently, a little while ago, he was asked by a CNN reporter, um, do you remember that video that came out of 21 Coptic Christians who were beheaded on the beach? It was a couple of months ago it came out. Well, he was asked by this C CNN reporter, and the reporter asked this. Not long after that, that video came out, um, you, tweeted, uh, you tweeted about the killings using the hashtag, Father Forgive. Did you mean that you forgive ISIS? And the bishop replied, Yes. It may seem unbelievable to some of your readers, but as a Christian and as a Christian minister, I have a responsibility to myself and to others to guide them down the path of forgiveness. We don't forgive the act because the act was horrendous, but we do forgive the killers from the depths of our hearts. Otherwise, we would become consumed by anger and hatred and fear. And it becomes a spiral of violence that has no place in this world. Now, the bishop is not alone. Uh, FIFA, whose father, Magdad, was one of those 21 Coptic Christians who was beheaded on the beach. She said this, May God forgive the killers. We don't have hatred towards them. This is Christianity. God forgives the sinners, and so shall we. Extreme love involves doing good to those who hate you. The second explanation of what this extreme love looks like is, is found in verse 28. You can see it there uh, with me, the second half of the verse, where Jesus says, pray for those who mistreat you. And I think this is best, best captured by a 10-year-old. Uh, her name's Miriam. Uh, she's from Mosul in Iraq. Uh, her family had been driven out of their home by Islamic extremists. They were left destitute, no food, no shelter, nowhere to live. She had left her friends, her schooling. She was a refugee. And she says in a, 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 an interview, again with CNN, which has now gone viral on YouTube, um, and she says 
that she prays for the salvation of the Islamic extremists who had driven her from her town. Now Miriam, she's 10. She's a Christian. She's, she's on the front line dealing with this stuff day in, day out. She, there she is, praying for the salvation of the people who have kicked her out of her home, out of her country, away from her friends. Now, brothers and sisters, we're, we're here in Australia. We're, we're, we're not on the front line. We're, we're, we're not dealing with this every single day. But, but we can still pray. We can pray for the salvation of the Islamic extremists over in the Middle East, even here in our own city. I want to encourage us to do that. Uh, the third explanation of extreme love is found in verse 31. Uh, 31 sorry, where Jesus says, um, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, um, when you're having conversations with uh, non-Christian friends or, or people of a very different perspective to you, um, we, we have a desire, don't we, to be de- understood, to, to let them respect us, to, to give us attention and do their best to try uh, understand uh, where we're coming from. Well, sadly, uh, Protestant Christian missionaries didn't offer this same respect to the Islamic people um, In the 19th and 20th century, uh, Christian missionaries, Protestant Christian missionaries, went into India and Pakistan, and and they made it their duty when they went into these countries uh, to attack and break down the Islamic religious system. Uh, They sought to prove to Muslims uh, through argument and controversy that Christianity was far better than Islam. And unsurprisingly, that they failed. They failed in what they were trying to do because they were fighting the Muslims on their own ground of fear, aggression, and intimidation. And quite quite notably, John Azuma, in the work that I was reading, he he quotes a leading Islamic cleric who wrote about these missionaries, these Protestant missionaries who went over to India and Pakistan. And this is what the cleric says. He says, The Protestant missionaries came... And they showed us that they hated Islam. The Catholic missionaries, they came and they showed us by their actions that they loved God. I think that's pretty challenging for us us to hear. The theologian William Barclay says this. More people are brought into the church by the kindness of Christians than by all the theological arguments in the world. And more people are driven away from the church by the hardness and ugliness of Christians than all the doubts in the world. Now friends, on their own, theological arguments are not going to change the mind of Islamic extremists. But we have superior weapons of prayer and extreme love which can bring them undone. And a perfect example of this is found uh, in a guy called Kamal Salem. And he's really a living testimony to this extreme love. Now, now Kamal, um, I'll tell you a bit about Kamal. Um, He grew up in Pakistan, grew up in a a very fundamental uh, Islamic uh, uh, family. 
um, at the age of six. So he's six. He's going off to the kindergarten. Instead of going to kindergarten, uh, Kamal uh, became a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. At the age of seven, he went to a salt camp. They taught him to use AK-47s, guns, etc., etc. On that same year, when he was seven, he went out on his first mission. For many years afterwards, he fought many wars against Christians and against Muslims, trying to purify the religion for the, the Muslim Brotherhood. And as he worked his way up the ranks, uh, in his 30s, um, they decided uh, tactically to send Kamal to America to recruit and uh, infiltrate and, and raise up uh, new radical terrorists for the Muslim Brotherhood from America internally. And in, in a recent interview, Kamal says this, he says, when I was in America, three Christian men reached out to me, and they loved me unconditionally. They showed me the love of Jesus, as well as teaching me about him. Over time, sorry, now this is me. Um, over time, uh, these three men uh, led Kamal to Christ. And now Kamal goes around America going to Muslim rallies and Muslim co conferences, and he starts engaging with the Islamic people, trying to win them to Christ. He's now a missionary for Jesus. And friends, I'm convinced that the best way for us as Christians to fight against Islamic extremism is by becoming Christian extremists. Let's meet violent extremism with extreme love. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we think about this very hot topic at the moment, Father, we pray that as, as Christians we will respond with love, that uh, we would also exercise our democratic rights to live in this country, but Lord, as Christians, let us reach out and love um, those around us. Help us to be like your son, who, who loved us, who were his enemies, uh, to the point of, of death upon the cross. Help us, who are freed from that, to go out and love in the same way. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.